Hello, and welcome to the Professional Horror Podcast, the podcast more delicious than a razor blade apple. I am your host, the wonderful and very pretty Chris Donovan, and joining me on this lovely October morn, or eve, I suppose, are the, uh, Jimmy and Officer Hawkins to my Ben Tramer? <laughs> the also wonderful and very pretty, uh, Penda Sisters, Megan and Julia, how are you guys doing today? Good, how are you? Ah, oh, we're doing just fine, you talk about better movies than last time. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, yep, agreed. <laughs> so you may remember that last year at this time, Megan, Julia, and I had a pair of episodes on the last two entries in the Halloween H40 timeline, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Uh, you may also remember that those movies, particularly Ends, really pissed us off. I'm not over it. Also, as a side note for those people who are like, people who hated Ends will eventually get over themselves and admit it's good. I actually hate it more now. It was a dumb idea <laughs> with dog shit execution last year, and it's still that today. My only regret is that I didn't write down all my notes so I could righteously excoriate it further. But since this podcast, you know, it's, it's a place of positivity, you know, where we feel it's more fun to love <laughs> movies than to hate movies. I thought this year I would try and redeem old Mikey Myers by reviewing the last two Halloween movies that I, that I haven't covered that I love, starting today with Halloween 2. Halloween 2 is a weird one. Seemingly everyone involved hated it, like John Carpenter hated writing it, Rick Rosenthal was mad at how it came out, Deborah Hill was pissed at Dick Warlock, who's the actor who played Michael Myers this go-around, uh, Dick Warlock was <laughs> mad because Deborah Hill waited till after filming to badmouth him, and yet despite all that, it's still regarded as one of the best films of the franchise. I mean, maybe that speaks more about the franchise than anything else, but you know. <laughs> John Carpenter, quick story about him. Apparently he didn't like Rick Rosenthal's first version of the film, and he re-edited it to be to speed it up and also add some more blood and gore, which Rick wasn't a fan of. He wanted to keep it more like the original, where suspense and terror were at a premium, whereas John Carpenter felt like they had to compete with the wave of imitation slashers that came out in the years since Halloween 1 came out that added more blood and violence and stuff. Good and obviously, like I haven't seen Rick's version of the film. I don't think it exists to be seen, but from the sound of it, I do tend to side with John Carpenter's vision. I do feel like the movie is it benefits from that quicker pace. And at the end of the day, John Carpenter made Halloween one, and Rick Rosenthal made Halloween Resurrection. So I think I'm gonna side with John on this one. Me too. I think, yeah. I, I think we can get. Yeah, he's the OG. Safe I, to say. Safe to say. John Carpenter's the man. Yeah, the thing is one of my favorite movies. This movie, Halloween 2, came out in 1980, and it has a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 33% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. As stated, it was directed by Rick Rosenthal, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, and starring, I mean, technically, Jamie Lee Curtis has top billing over Donald Pleasance in this movie, but it's kind of more Donald Pleasance's movie for the most part, for a while at least, because Laurie's a bit sidelined, but we will get into that later. You guys have any thoughts up top before we dig into Halloween too? A high level of our opinions, sure. And one thing I want, one thing I want to say, just because Julie and I also rewatched the original Halloween yeah. last night, which is I don't really see what injuries Lori has that requires hospitalization. <laughs> true. Like she, like, and I was thinking, like, oh, she must have broke because they act like she's her legs are debilitated. I know she got tossed down the stairs. I'm yeah. not. And then she gets stabbed in the back of the arm or sliced, yeah. sliced. more like. Yeah. And then she's frightened. But still, I don't really think that the way she is 
transported to the hospital, the way she's sedated at the hospital, the way she's treated at the hospital, it all indicates much more severe injuries. Uh, according to the doctor nurse assistant, I forget what Miss Alves' title is in this movie, but it says she cracked a bone in her ankle, presumably in the stairfall, but not a full break. And uh, so that's probably what happened there. But also she could have uh, sustained some residual, like some damage to her throat because she was strangled for a while. I mean, she doesn't actually, her voice isn't affected by it because movie reasons, but that could be why she she gets the hospital treatment. High level Halloween Mm -hmm. 2. I thought it was overall good. I liked it. However, it started really slow. I hated that they picked up where they ended. Dreadful. And it took about 40 minutes to get in, into it. But then once I got into it, it yeah. was good. So it was like, I found it enjoyable. And I liked I liked the kills that were pretty yeah. creative. It was hearkening to my boy, Jason. Jason, <laughs> who is still, honestly, for me, superior. Yeah. And I, there were some creative kills. Jamie Lee Curtis, I liked her whole yes. stumbling around the hospital okay. thing. I liked it. Yay. It was good. I thought it was a good movie. But I obviously, we talked about this and yes. Megan explained it. But like movies and things you guys know better than me but the rising in the falling action yep so starting in the falling action is like really hard to get it moving again it's a momentum yeah. killer and i think the halloween 2 is a testament to that yeah because when you pick up right where you left off for one it kills yeah. suspense for two you're starting where the other one was stopping and then where we were also relieved to have it be yeah. over it's, yes we were relieved <laughs> to have it be over and and then you've got to gear up again and there was a point at, during the movie where we were like is this ever going to get started and we paused it and checked the time and it was 40 yeah. minutes and i think literally within the next minute it yeah. picked up but it was like i would say the first 40 minutes you could i would argue were, were a slog but then it was it did pick mm-hmm. up from there julia's first note on my notes is I gotta remember this as a note. I hate how they started this. <laughs> Some of the Friday movies do this too, and it's it's always kind of bugs me. It's it's bad for marathoning. Well, they'll just start with it's like, hey, in case you don't remember the last five minutes of the last movie, here it is at the beginning of this one. Which like I get from a certain perspective because I'm I'm sure you know they didn't have like DVDs and VHS back then, so it might not have seen it since it was out in theaters. But still, it's kind of annoying on a rewatch. Yes. And then they make some updates that I hate, <laughs> yeah. such as, and then I confirmed it when I watched Halloween last night, but when Michael falls out the window and then he disappears, it is just grass underneath. In Halloween 2, there is a cartoonish crater in the shape of a hulking man's body, which, by the way, this Michael is slighter and less intimidating than the previous Michael. So also that goes like, so that makes it even funnier because there's this big crater in the shape of Michael, which is about, I don't know, I can't give you a weight, but I would say 80 pounds heavier than the Michael we have. It's so funny. I remember like when you were texting me that like we were watching that scene, I was like, it's giving Wiley e. Coyote. Yes. <laughs> it's like, why is there an impact crater where he landed? I don't know. It's weird. One other thing though that is different about that scene and this version of it, which it's not that I like. I like it as a in a general sense, but it is weird to watch it changed in this version, is they updated the score for the Halloween two version. And I love the Halloween 2 version of the theme. It's got, it's really synthy. It's got some like almost like gothic cathedral kind of vibe. It's really awesome. I liked the music too. It was, I, yeah, yeah, it was fun. I didn't notice it, like a difference. Like I was, I'm just not like thinking like that, but I loved music. I was like, oh, yeah. good score. And I loved the, the song. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that Mr. Sandman. Mr. Sandman. I, that, was I like that. Yeah, that was a great start. Finished. Yeah, yeah, finish. I, 
legitimately when I think of Mr. Sandman, I just like hard, my brain is one-to-one, just immediately goes Halloween 2, Halloween H2O. I'm going to say something that I was wrong about, but I'm going to start it and then I'll explain what I'm about. I mean, you'll, you'll know why I was wrong. I'm oh, sorry, Dylan totally just fell off the couch. That was pretty- They were wrestling and he dropped. <laughs> Poor Dudley. But in the beginning, I was, I stated, I don't get the Dr. Loomis hype. I feel like he's overblown. I feel like everyone is like, why is everyone acting like his shit don't stink? Why is like- Oh, I, and his run? It was oh, hilarious. Yeah. Like, he's a terrible run. Yeah. Dr. Lucas ain't shit. It was, it it was, was like so bad. Nev Campbell and Scream. Yes. <laughs> I was like, was she modeling her run after that? If it was, that... And also, hearkening uh, back to the opening credits briefly, hearkening back to the opening credits briefly, uh, the opening credits briefly, I have a note that says, the opening credits have gone on too long, and now we're <laughs> nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's like one of my only issues with the, the Halloween 2 version of the theme. I think it's really good when it's like the... Beep boop boop beep boop boop beep boop beep boop beep boop. But like it starts so slow, it'll just be like this bom 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 And I'm like, come on, let's I know the theme, let's get to the theme, guys. Pick it up, pick it up. In the scene where they go into the house where he no, sorry, not they. Michael goes into the house with the older couple and the husband's asleep in front of the television and the wife is making him a sandwich and then he comes in and then he leaves blood all over the cutting board and makes that was, it, a, good scene, it, that was yeah. a good scene and escapes. That was a good scene, but uh, Julia had a very uh, so while it was going on, Julia did not seem to be experiencing suspense because she felt certain that they would survive. And the reason she felt that they would survive was that Michael only kills hot people. <laughs> that is very true. She goes, I didn't know that was one of his rules. <laughs> And then later he kills not so hot guy. Yeah, as it goes on. Also, before that point, when uh, Doctor Loomis is checking the um, the blood in the Wiley Coyote outline, we have a, a townsperson come out and he's like, "What's going on, man? I'm a trick or treat to death tonight." And Loomis is like, "You don't know what death is," and then runs off. It's like, buddy, where were you when Lori was screaming her head off for twenty minutes, man? This horrible town where, like, nobody reacts unless you're being shot at six times and then finally, like, oh, what's going on? What are you guys doing? Yeah. I don't like the townsfolk of Haddonfield. I don't like them. They're I don't not like anyone in Haddonfield. Like, no, I don't even like, don't like I don't even like Lori in the first one, but I grew to like her in the second one. In in Halloween 2, there are, like, three things that just instantly ping into my brain. Whenever I hear Halloween 2, these three images just kind of strike me immediately. Uh, and the first one is Dr. Loomis, when we get the Michael POV shot, when it, which leads into him getting the knife from the old people. Yep. Is Loomis yep. uh, running to the sheriff's car, screaming, I shot him six times! I shot him six times! I shot him in the heart! He's not human! I don't know. I just love Lewis's <laughs> raving screams in this movie. What is it? What is his accent? It's a weird English accent. I'm not sure. It's so weird. It's weird. I, I can't place it. Yeah. No, but that was funny. Loomis was on some shit. He seems like he's in a different genre. He does. He seems. He act, that's actually a very good call. He does seem like he's in a different genre than any, everyone else in the movie. Also, I feel like though Jamie Luke, Lee Curtis improves in this movie, and not to knock the OG, the original, but I feel like the a lot of dull surprise permeates through the Halloween franchise, especially the first <laughs> two. Like everyone's reactions to everything is like super muted, except. For Dr. Loomis. <laughs> Dr. Loomis is reacting enough to everybody. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, I so I just looked it up. Apparently, he is from Nottinghamshire, England. I don't know where that is in England, but apparently that's where his accent's from. Okay. Oh. Okay. It's like a mild. He, maybe he moved here and it's just like a very mild, like... Hold, hold over yeah. his accent. Oh, also, I wanted to say, uh, going back to the old 
folks home where Michael steals the knife. There's a really clever bit of continuity between Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 in the movie that they're watching. Because in Halloween 1, they're, it's the six hours of horror movies. Little Lindsay Wallace, but we know what hit her. And in that one, they're watching The Thing from Another World. And in Halloween 2, we get the other half of that movie marathon, which is Night of the Living Dead, which is really awesome. Oh, oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Like, we come in right when they hit the, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Too bad that John Carpenter didn't go on to also do Night of the Living Dead as he did the thing, because then that would be, that, oh, that would yeah. have been really cool. And um, so we also, I think, I know we mentioned, but um, Jamie Lee Curtis seems to date even before the sedative. Also, obviously older, and her wig is terrible. It's so bad. Oh, yeah, the wig's real bad. Because she look, always kind of looks like matronly like in a way like even when she but she looked young in the young in the first one but still like she's maternal she's beautiful but she's like the way they dress her too she's kind of dowdy and in this she's much she's older she looks more mature she clearly already hacked her hair off yeah so they gave her the wig and like yeah so back on with the uh the plot when we we last left michael when he was getting the knife from the old folks home what always kills me in that scene is right after the teenager on the phone she has the most ridiculous dialogue in the whole movie like first of all as a fun side note there is a vocal cameo of the girl she's talking to on the other line of the phone is, is the actress uh, nancy loomis who played annie brackett in the first one so that's fun that's cool oh that is cool i like that but her on the phone she's just like oh i, I heard a scream over there and it must have been her husband just you know got drunk and beat her again it's like you hear you think domestic violence is going on across the street and you're just like meh whatever Another, it was, it I, was the 80s. another night in Haddonfield. What is Haddonfield? Dairy Main? <laughs> Dairy Main? <laughs> but then she just sees her front, her back door is open and she's just like, who is it? Who is it? There's someone in your house, girl. Yeah. It drives me yeah. nuts. It does lead to something. If I mean, if I may be allowed a quick bitch about the Halloween H40 timeline. <laughs> oh. Granted. What we get here is a sequence where we as the audience see Michael entering the scene, and then we as the audience also lose sight of Michael, so that, you know, when he shows up, it's an actual shock, but we do know he's there. It's almost like suspense building. And re- referencing the the resuming of, like, the night, that, that Halloween night from Halloween one to two with several years in between and julia also commented it's weird to start a movie like that when it's been so many human years yeah that is a good point (laughs) (laughs) and it's like it has been like enough time that it's like what we're we're still here i feel like though maybe people feel differently but almost there's an element of like disappointment for me it's like oh we're still here we haven't like moved on yet and then we could just have jlc with a haircut yeah we we just have jlc with a haircut we don't need to have the fake bad wig we don't have to pretending to be three years younger from what i heard that was actually the initial plan it was going to take place a few years after the first halloween and it was going to be taking place in a high-rise apartment building which would have been really crazy to see how that would have worked how you can make that scary but initially it was going to be a few years later so we can have this sort of time to breathe yeah yeah I did like it. Like once, once we got it, it but it can't be overstated how hard it was to get going from the same yes. falling I'm action. But I'm impressed by how much I liked it, by how the first 40 minutes were so slow to me that I'm, it picked up enough that I ended up liking it, which is to its credit. Yeah. And like the building of suspense in those first 40 minutes to me, wasn't that great. No. Like some of it was better than others. Like I, I liked the scene with the, 
old people when he took the knife. Yeah. And then there, like that was scary. That was good. Then and then when he killed that girl, it was it was fine. Yeah, it was like, not good though. The whole scene, like with the security guard and everything, like to me, it wasn't really building suspense because it just nothing was happening too much. No, it so was boring. It, the levels weren't balanced right. So it was like, okay, let's go. And then they finally killed him, and then we got going from there. And I like a good cat scare, but that was like a bad cat scare. Like <laughs> he was so startled by the cat, he like topples over, and then it, like raises the question of why is there a cat in this like hospital <laughs> part of the hospital? Just like, like so that lends to the whole thing of like you mentioning the director wanting it to be probably more like that and john carpenter was like no so you know his suspense building wasn't working no i was not like i didn't experience i experienced very little suspense in the first 40 minutes speaking of the human years that that have passed between halloween one and two what always throws me in this movie is michael's mask so bad (sighs) yes here's the thing it's the exact same mask from part one. A small head? So from what I've read, there were three reasons. One is, like you said, just it's a different actor. Uh, last movie was an actor by the name of Nick Castle. This movie was an actor by the name of Dick Warlock. They're different sized people with different shaped heads. It's a cheap Halloween mask. It's going to sit on their face differently. Reason two is apparently in between takes in the first one, Nick Castle would fold up the mask and put it in his back pocket, which, you know, led to some creases and stuff like that. Reason three is the weird one is apparently Deborah Hill in between films is the one who had possession of the mask and she kept it in a box under her bed and apparently deborah hill was a, a smoker and so you, if you ever see like a smoker's house sometimes like the wallpaper gets kind of yellowed and that happened to the mask that's why it just has this weird yellow look to it yes. yeah the paper, yeah. Wallpaper. yeah it's gross yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting though yeah no i the mask was like i was like what is happening but i just didn't really like the new guy his physique wasn't right like, he was too like i don't know what like slight maybe he was just wasn't that into his body language it just was like it wasn't working for me but the actor uh dick warlock is about an inch shorter than nick castle he's definitely a lot stockier and i do think there are some scenes where his movement doesn't really work too well but then there are other scenes where his really slow deliberate walking like when he's chasing Lori through the hospital i think that's when it really does work though yeah yeah and he walks through the glass oh i love that one thing that kind of pisses me off, and like we'll get back to the plot in a, in a second, but uh, Deborah Hill, apparently, Megan, agrees with you in that she didn't like the way the Michael Myers actor in this movie, Dick Warlock, yep. how he moves, that he didn't match his movements to the original Michael very well, he was too slow and didn't, it wasn't that great. Yep. But according to Dick Warlock, the actor who played her, yep. Deborah Hill was on set every day of the shoot and he would always ask her, hey, am I doing this right? Should I be doing something differently? And she kept saying, no, no, you're fine. Keep doing that. And I'm like, that's kind of rude. That is rude. So she didn't like how it came out. But then, yeah, she's going, should have given her notes. Not, yeah. yeah. And to be fair, again, final, like, after the first 40 minutes, like, yes, I was I into did. it. I wasn't thinking about it. But at first, I was thinking about it. When he was interacting with the scene, with the world, but not actively killing people, I found him not scary. Yeah. And then, but in the first one, I felt like that guy can, especially after the rewatch, that guy can loom. Like the looming was good. It was like, his inaction was scary. I found this guy's inaction to not really be scary, but the actions were scary. So it, it um, it, I, mean, I don't know how to quantify that either. Like, how does one yeah. loom scarily? It's screen presence. <laughs> it's like it's screen presence. Like, I really don't know if you can teach that. Can you loom a little more frighteningly? Like, can you loom more? Fr- <laughs> 
and it's like it's like you're like um, including something. Yeah. We also, when we're uh, when we're following Jamie Lee Curtis, we're introduced to two new characters, two EMTs. One named Jimmy, who's this young, sweet, almost a himbo, I would say, and the other is uh, Bud, who yeah, is yeah. just the worst. He's just an absolute sleazeball at all times. Bud, who's totally an XB of Ned from Friday the Thirteenth. And why do they have the same hair? Like I feel like they, you know, that made it confusing. Oh, made it a little confusing. Chris Donovan, I need to tell you um, a comedy of errors that surrounded this movie. So you informed me correctly that this was Ben Tramer's first and only appearance in the franchise. I took that, interpreted that as Ben Tramer would be Laurie Strode's love interest. So when we're introduced to Jimmy, the EMT, I assumed he was Ben Tramer. And then we go through it. And then I tell Julia that very confidently. <laughs> and she's like, all right. And then there's a conversation when he gets called like Jimmy very clearly. And Julia's like, did they just say Jimmy? And I'm like, I think they did. And I'm like, I thought it was Ben Tramer. And literally the next scene is the Ben Tramer scene. <laughs> it was very funny. And then and then I had to acknowledge afterwards that Ben Tramer, death by cop, was the funniest possible outcome. <laughs> that was really that was really funny. It's hilarious. The thing number two of my three things I think of when I instantly think of Halloween 2 is Ben Tramer. <laughs> the, the funniest thing ever put to film. It just, like, becomes yeah. a slapstick comedy for about five minutes. Yeah. And the, the fact that she had a crush on him in the first one. like And it's she, very it, funny. And it's set up that they're maybe going to the Halloween dance the next that day. day. Yeah, yeah. That, that on the Saturday. It's, but, like, it's like really funny. Dark and, then he, and then even like in Hall, the original Halloween, it, it, Annie mentions that he's, he's out drinking with his friends tonight. So he won't be home to let. And then it's like, he's out. All right. <laughs> and then, okay. And I'll never know. Or unless they've talked about it. In which case I will know. But I also don't get the impression that the people making the movie realized how funny that was. Yeah. <laughs> like that was part of the laugh. <laughs> the cop fucking go- tearing down the neighborhood go- like a like a bat out of hell like i don't even know how fast 80 miles an hour and ben tramer was groggily walking through the street like very much telegraphing his movements very much not um not at all sneaky and then they fucking nail him and then what's the car full of explodium huge explosion and then the cop says something to the effect of he came out of nowhere and it's like no he didn't he was there the whole time. <laughs> what makes it funnier is it's bookended by two very serious scenes. It's it's like uh, you have Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett yeah. uh, in the car having a really serious talk where he's, you know, Brackett's like, I'm at that time where I'm done taking orders from you and you let him out. And Loomis is like, I didn't. I tried to warn everyone I could. And then they see this guy in a Michael Myers mask, but with frizzy blonde hair, and he's clearly holding a trick-or-treat bag, and Loomis runs out, you know, trying to shoot him, and like you said, a cop car just plows into this kid at like 80 miles an hour, plows into a van that just explodes in a giant fireball, and then the cop is like, oh, I'm sorry, he came out of nowhere. And then another cop pulls up and is like, Sheriff, we found three bodies, one of them was Eddie's, and they all pile into that cop car. And then just leave that one cop, I guess, to just pick up the pieces, I guess. Just, like, call for backup. I don't know. 
and the and Ben Tramer is so horrifically burned that they're like, <laughs> no, he was practically ashes. Like he, that was an insane. And then they show his body later. Don't they, they show his body. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I loved that. That was hilarious. But I agree that they didn't know how funny it was. They, yeah, that was. Like, I mean, the, yeah. honestly, that's what made it funnier was the way it was. The whole scene played out. It's like this isn't intentional comedy, but honestly, that makes it funnier to me. Yeah. It's so funny because he's just like, he's name dropped in like five different Halloween movies. And the only time he ever appears on screen is when he's horrifically murdered. Not by Michael. Yeah. Not by Michael, but just by a random cop. Like negligent homicide by a police officer is the only time Ben Tramer ever shows up on screen. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's so funny. That is really funny. I love it. Ben Dramer, best character in Halloween. Best, best character in Halloween. <laughs> That's why and when I did my thing at the beginning, I made myself Ben Dramer my comparison because, you know, I'm, I'm on fire, you know? You're on fire. <laughs> but I do love all of that. And then I've reached a point in my notes where I'm realizing maybe why the movie turned around, which is that they, um, yeah. if you remember the hospital scene with Jimmy and um the pervert and i think that's what i think that's when the girl that the pervert like is paws at later comes into the scene and then they take they they're smoking a joint and then julia and i okay you and me too so, so then we smoked a joint and then i'm things took it up to like after, yeah but we never really smoked before the movie no started. well no we took an edible i believe okay yeah we i think that was it okay yeah Oh, that reminds me of, uh, I guess, technically a subsection of the three things I remember when I think of Halloween 2. The fourth thing would be Bud singing Amazing Grace, Come Amazing Sit on My Face. Grace, come Sit on My Face. Oh, yes! Yes! That was the, that's was literally the next note. I mean, Megan right that we have Amazing Grace. Grace, Come Sit on My Face. Yeah. I liked that guy. I mean, not the character. Like, he's obviously a sleazebag, but I felt like the guy played him really intentionally. Yeah. And then I saw he plays one bags in like the accused that like jodie foster movie that came out like years a few years later about like a rape victim and he was like one of the sleazy guys in that like this guy found his he found his niche there is one scene i want to talk about really quickly uh before we go back to the hospital where we have loomis and mm-hmm. bracket showing up at the house annie was babysitting the wallace's house uh mm-hmm. to see annie being wheeled out on the stretcher and it's this really serious and intense scene which is it's funny because it's juxtaposed right after the ben tramer scene which is really over the top and funny and this is a very serious dramatic moment where bracket kind of gets very over the top like screaming at loomis you let him out but then he kind of goes like pale and catatonic and, like closes his daughter's eyes and he's just like i have to go home and tell my wife before before anyone else does it's like this really good like dramatic thing but at the same time i'm also kind of sad because i'm like oh man bracket was a really cool character i don't want to see him leave the movie to swap out for another random police officer but then i I guess it's like i i agree with you but then also part of me is like i don't know i kind of feel he should have come back or so it just like to have him just like exit scene left and then never come back also just kind of seems like a dangling end especially since the michael murdered his daughter and he's the sheriff you'd think maybe he'd want to be involved in the apprehension or killing of michael but i do like the scene but then it is like especially he was not a main, but he was a side Again, character. Again, with the starting at the, at the end. It's yeah. Like, give it some space and then we can use him better. You exactly. Because then, like, then he's like also a foil to Loomis and then we just lose him. And then, and then kind of Marion is a little bit of a foil to him afterwards, but then she just kind of goes along with what he wants eventually. I think she's just like someone you can talk to so you can understand his thought process. Yeah. Like, and it's like, she's in Halloween, the first Halloween, but she's yeah. like, um, she's like, she like serves a purpose. Like yeah. she's going with him to the hospital to get, and then like she's in the car and 
then the guy, and then he, that's when his fist comes through. Like, she's in it, but she is kind of forget. It's just funny because she's kind of forgettable, I, in my opinion. But she keeps coming back. There's also a, a good scene uh, in there where Michael finally has made it into the hospital, and uh, the nurse that Bud is permanent on the whole time, uh, who, her, whose name is Karen, she's yep. like, walking in late, and Michael just hides in the baby yeah, that ward. That was a good scary scene because I was like, <laughs> Yeah, because you're like, What's he going to do? You know, but it's just like, Yeah, nothing. Babies. Yeah. He's like, no sport. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was actually good suspense building. One thing that this movie does that not a lot of Halloween movies would do from here on out was still portray Michael as, like, intelligent and as, like, a planner. Like, he mm-hmm. cuts out the phone lines. He, uh, he takes the yep. security guard out first. He um, he disables the cars. Yeah, he disables the cars. And I think that's He's a really, really cool smart. scene, too. Well, that's another thing that I like is that multiple people try to get away in the cars. Multiple people do. Which is smart. That setup is so good, too, because in that sequence, you can see Michael in the background while Jimmy is telling the other nurse, like, hey, check out this other wing and then go in your car and go to the, down to the sheriff's department. So you can hear So Michael could have like easily heard that and then yeah. went right outside to disable the cars. So, so obviously it begs the question of how did he learn about automobiles when he was behind bars for from six onward. But he learned, also knew about the car, so maybe he had, like, a hyperfix. I don't know, you know. I'm, it's not really that complicated. It isn't. Also, with the security guard scene, I always laugh at that other nurse who has no idea how a radio works. Like, it's not rocket science, lady. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was an idiot. No, but I relate to that. You do? Yeah, or like stuff like, like, I mean, not radios, but, like, now other technology. I'm just like, I don't want, I'm not doing this. And then it's funny, because like, <laughs> the whole time, she's like, I don't know how to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not doing it. And then we have, I have a note that if the security guy doesn't die, I'm going to a riot and then he died and then huge overreaction to a cat which we covered not personally experiencing suspense long wait don't necessarily equate <laughs> so i remember i was texting our uh megan our right club group chat while i was watching the scene in halloween too because the security guard he does it's the classic he opens the yep. door and when he closes it michael's behind there and i remember yeah, yeah. I saying it. i was like uh do slashers ever get like excited when that happens like when someone opens a door do they just saddle up next to it and they're like oh man once he closes yeah. it he's gonna get a surprise it's gonna be the scare of his life shortly after death yeah, and then he closes the door and he gets like a claw hammer to the back of the head i mean to the front of that which is, is pretty gnarly and also we know i noted that um and julia was in agreement that kill number two is lackluster as was kill number one the only kill so far at this point in the movie that was fucking banging was ben Tramer, and that wasn't death by cop yeah death by cops. and also i was the fl- cops always do it better they always do now i've come around to it but i was flabbergasted when i first heard someone say that michael myers was 21 i'm like what he's 21 well, that is a thing that might have thrown you off, because I know uh, Dick Warlock, the actor playing Michael Myers in this movie, mm-hmm. he's 41, so that definitely probably has a... He has, like, a more mature physique. And yeah, then, more like, mature And then, like, gets so buff, like, you know, yeah. like, in the mental asylum, like, get that kid off the pull-up bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The one notable thing I remember from this, the scene where we learn Michael Myers is 21 is that's when the coroner is, like, scraping the teeth of, you know, yes! the charred corpse. And, like, of course we get to see the body. Like, all that was the, more coffee gold. The burnt-up husk of poor Ben Tramer. <laughs> is, um... Is that the actor who plays uh, the coroner in that scene? I just recognized him this time for the first time. He played the deputy in Jaws, and he also played the motorist in Clue. I didn't notice that. But now that you said motorist and oh, oh, cool. that's cool. You, you I wish mind. I noticed that. Me too. We did notice it in Jaws. 
Which does make sense because Deborah Hill also produced Clue as well as this oh, movie. Oh, that's cool. Deborah Hill, she's got a great career, according to me. Clue is one of the best movies of all time. Classic. Clue is one. I couldn't agree more. I love that movie. Clue, so I would argue, is like maybe a perfect movie. Every character is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I can't even think of another example off the bat where it's like you can't even really pick a favorite. I can't even really pick a favorite There's character. No turd in the punch bowl. No, and, and they all and they all shine. And it's so silly, but then like not too silly. Yes, and, yeah. the, and the body humor of them all jamming through doors and dropping <laughs> each other. It's just like I don't know for some reason it's just like oh like whatever was cooking that day made a perfect meal. And honestly, it has. Complicated. It's like why can't they get the ingredients right again? Well, because it wasn't appreciated in its time. Either. It wasn't appreciated in its time. That's and it's still not really appreciated, but we appreciate it. We do. <laughs> well, um, we're part of the Clue Tribe, which is everyone who um everyone with good taste. Everybody. Then for some reason we have a scene that always confuses me, but I guess it was inspirational. I guess which is Doctor Loomis is uh, the like the town of Haddonfield just throwing rocks and stuff at the Myers house, and Loomis is like the tribe. One of their number was butchered, and this is awake. Like, what are you talking about, man? Chris, I literally have in, in all caps notes. their tribe. One of their number was butchered. <laughs> Written in the notes. Yeah. What? It's like, am I, is there a gas leak in this town? Everyone's acting so strangely. And then the press. If anything, it makes later Halloween's. At least no one says evil dies tonight in this one. Oh my God. Not that bad, but it makes that make a little bit more sense. Yes. And then, I mean, and like the precedent for the weird lackluster rioting was set in this movie. It's like (laughs) people just like, and really like lazy, weird. It's like, I felt the same way in Halloween Kills where I'm like, I'm not intimidated by this rioting. Like, I feel like I should be scared, like nervous. And I'm like, these are a bunch of like fucking idiots. Yeah. At least in this. This one, it feels more like just a bunch of people who are mad and don't know what to do with their anger. So they're just like, ah, oh, maybe he's at his house. Let's go to his house. Yeah. And then they just throw rocks until the police tell them to leave. And then they just leave. And that's the one thing that they do for the whole night. If they want to do something productive with their anger, exactly. maybe next time a teenage girl is screaming bloody murder for her life, you help her instead of turn off the lights. Yeah. The only thing that's actually important about this scene is this is when we actually learn, like, this is when, like, two dudes run run up to the cop and to Loomis, and they're like, we haven't seen our buddy Ben Tremor. Uh. <laughs> oh, and that, that's my next note, Chris. Yeah. 17, wearing a mask, check the dental records. <laughs> <laughs> Loomis is starting to turn around. Loomis, I, I, I had to get in front of it and say that I, I, on multiple occasions in my notes, I say Loomis ain't shit. But I, I've done a 180 on that. I'm a believer. They probably didn't use Ben Tramer in the 2018 trilogy because what portrayal of that character could they have done that beats when he was in a fiery car crash yeah, and dies and instantly? It's like, and it's like so brutal. Like I was like, oh my God, like they got Michael. Wait. Like, it's too easy. Yeah. And then it's like, it's so, it's so funny. It's so funny. And it's like so unfortunate. Like, I kind of relate to Ben Tramer. Just like, very much really in the wrong place at the wrong time. You didn't do anything wrong. He's just like, having yeah. And then all, they have the setup, obviously, that Michael Megan just- Megan drinking is wrong. Oh, please. Um. And you know, he's probably walking around like, yeah, Laurie Strode's into me. You know, he's got a little pep in his step. He's like, I'm going to the dance tomorrow with a girl. I'm excited. Yeah. And Annie said he was excited, so he probably was. He was probably, like, excited about going out with Lori. And Lori's hot. She's just a pork. She is. Like, you know, she doesn't know how hot she is yet. She's, I feel ba- so bad for Ben Tramer. Because it's like, yeah, he thought, and then they obviously set up that Michael stole his Halloween mask from that store. And then it's like, so yeah, he just bought that the same mask at the same store, probably. Um, So, I was going to say, are we going to get into this awkward hookup turned lobster wheeling? <laughs> 
Yeah, I was going to say, we're back at the, the at the hospital where Bud and Karen are using the therapeutic tubs in the hospital. What the was that? Like, that has no control on the temperature. You can just turn it up however far I you mean, want. I mean, to be honest, I want a government one. Me too, but they don't. I don't want, like, I was, that's so crazy. Like, I mean, I'm not a nurse, but I just doubt they exist. Yeah. Julia, I remember, uh, this is weird. I remember you texted, you told Megan something that she texted to me and, it made, and I remembered, I thought about this when I saw the nurse. We were like, where are all the hot people in horror movies? Uh, the nurse? <laughs> She's hot. Great. She's hot. The 80s That's did, what it's all about. The 80s did hot, hot and hot horror. But good. to be fair, she was way hotter than the guy. Oh, well, that was the thing with, with him. It was fine, but it's like, you know, he, he was did, fine. But. but he was like an obnoxious. Well, then that, that was kind of, the whole scene was weird. I'm not even knocking it because it was weird, but I did enjoy it. Like, it, like I was like, okay. Like, it should, none of his moves should have worked. worked. It's, he does that weird thing. And like, then he makes, and then she like majorly rejects him. But then she like gives, it's like, and then if you're going to give in to him, why don't you just hook up in the bed? Why are you going to check the ward and then go to a fucking therapeutic tub? Essentially for, a hot tub. Kill. Yeah. It's only for the kill. And I have to say, it was a really cool kill. It was a cool kill. Though, I mean, and I get like, why they did it. I'm not telling, saying they should have done it differently, but just the way it all played out, the bud, who was like a major jackass, gets like the relatively painless kill. And true. Karen, who was the much nicer person, gets the fucking, like, the worst kill in the movie. Worst kill in the movie. And I know why they did it. Because their chits are out. Like that's I I get I get the reason, but I'm like, yeah. it kind of just morally seemed a little unfair that he just gets like it happens from behind and it's over really fast. And then she ha- gets like gets her really... face boiled in the water. Like, like oh yeah. that was yeah. like, not only is she getting drowned, she's also getting b- burned. And then I think she gets stabbed too. Like she gets a lot of things to happen to her. As a behind the scenes note, uh Megan, we were actually talking about something similar in our right club group group chat earlier today, but it basically the really yes. awkward kind of sullies the scene a bit is that the actress who plays Karen, Pamela Susan Shoup, did not want to do a topless scene in the movie, and she was kind of talked into it by Bud's actor, Leo Rossi, and not in the way you might think it was he talked her into it. He was, Rick Rosenthal went out of his way to get Leo the, the role, and so he felt he kind of owed it to the director, so he was the one being like, okay, you know, it won't be so bad, we'll just do it, we'll just get through it, and like talked her into it. And apparently Rick Rosenthal also wanted it to be a full... Uh, nude scene and she was super not into it. Deborah Hill uh, put the kibosh on that for Pamela at some point, but just kind of makes it really awkward and kind of stuff. Kind of comes it, I think. Yeah. Like, I think in the Me Too era, if you will, the whole scene seemed a little like rapey in a way. Like, obviously, she's up for it, but he's being a dick and she's like being rejecting, but then all of a sudden she's taking her clothes off and the, like, the whole thing it wasn't smooth. Like, I'm thinking of Friday the 13th. Perfect. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> it's like the scenes with like Kevin Bacon and his girlfriend. It's like it comes across as like very consensual. Like you know, yes. it's like cer- like certain things at work, and they just didn't really work. So it's like the two of them didn't have any chemistry. You could tell she was reticent to everything. Yeah. Like she seemed uncomfortable. The unco- I feel like you could sense that. I think you're yeah. That's probably part of the reason why the scene is memorable, but not necessarily. Like, it's like, yeah, that makes me feel even worse for her. For the character. Because I felt really bad when she then, died. I'm like, oh, but she seemed really nice. I'm I felt like, the worst for her. Yeah. So I could be wrong. I'm kind of guessing the set you're supposed to I'm not supposed to but the setup is she's watching over the babies then she's like not doing that to hook up the guy so it's like the moral is kind of like the movie's a little bit punishing her and then it's like oh but she's not checking on the babies and she should be and then it's like that doesn't really ring super like the way I felt I didn't feel that way but it felt like the narrative was trying to tell you to feel that way like oh well like she shouldn't be hooking up with Bud in the tub but then 
and even seems like she wants to. And the general vibe <laughs> is like she's super reluctant. Does like and it's probably came with the actress. She seems super reluctant the whole time, so that just makes me feel worse about it. It's like oh god, this poor woman's talked into this, and then she gets the worst kill in the movie. Yeah, it does kind of come off like the reason Karen's character hooks up with Bud in the hot tub was because in the script it says Karen's character yeah. does. And she gets like, the whole scene prior where she's like getting in trouble for being late. Yeah, and it's like she seems really like like contrite. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like you know, it's like she seems like a good person. She does. It's like if they wanted to, if they wanted to make it her like an unlikable bimbo, they should have cast someone differently <laughs> because she really didn't go. Like honestly, like. I liked her, and I was that was she was the character I had the most feeling about dying. So just to quickly sum up that scene, Bud and Karen go into the the therapeutic yeah. tubs, and Michael shows up, and apparently there's just a knob that you can turn to up the temperature to like 140 degrees in that tub Why for some they reason. Do that often? I don't and know. And then that's another thing too. He's like, she's like, oh my god, it's too hot, and he's like, no, it's fine, it's fine, because he just wants to fuck. Yeah. And then she's like, no, no really too hot like so it's like no one's listening to her no one yeah exactly like as a woman it does kind of i mean and, and like based off of like the script it's like i don't think it's supposed to come across this way but then as a woman i was really like really and then she yeah like they're he's literally boiling them and bud doesn't even notice yeah and then bud gets like garroted yeah. by michael i do think it's staged really well because like we yeah. see karen get any of the tub she puts the towel on and she's like ah oh, bud i'm going back to work i can't deal with this anymore and so she can't see but the audience can't and see that Michael has appeared and is like silently yes, choking. Yeah. It is. Yeah, choking him and then pulling him off off screen. I think that's really done really well, like staged well for a suspense. And the funniest thing is that when Michael uh, gets into the scene and like puts his her his hands on her shoulder and he's like she's like oh I'm sorry bud and then also that all, but again that also made me feel bad for her because like she didn't like the only thing she did wrong obviously was like abandoning her post to hook up with this this sleazy weirdo but it's like he knows he's mad at her and so she's like apologizing even though he's already dead even though she has nothing to apologize for it's just I don't know it's like it's a lot like being a woman. <laughs> I hate to do this to you guys, but just imagine how disgusting Michael Myers' thumb tastes like. Like, it's gotta be all, like, grease and blood, Definitely. and just, ugh. Yeah, a lot of blood. But then she, he, uh, Michael Fire. just grabs her and starts dunking her into the uh, jacuzzi tank that all hospitals come with. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta ask him, I gotta ask my friend Jamie about, I'm sure they don't exist, but I want clarification. But great kill. That's killed the movie. I bet my eyes. That's killed the movie, and it was brutal. Like the and the effects were really good, but like her skin like falling off. Yeah, it kills gnarly. It was like that was a terrible way to die. It was hearkening to Friday the Thirteenth. It was like the creative kill. Yeah, creative kill. And Michael's used to just stabbing people at this point. Now he's getting interesting. So that's when I said, huh. Then we get a very weird scene where Loomis is like, oh, I've just been told that Michael went to the local school, yep. so let's go investigate that. And then he goes, and apparently, like, Michael stabbed the, the knife from the old folks' home. He stabbed it into a picture, a kid's picture of sister, that? and then he wrote Sam Hain in blood. That was, that was a note. It's pronounced Sawin. Sawin. Like, yeah. come on. It bothered us both. Get it together. Yeah, and then Loomis is like, Sam Hain, it means the Lord of the Dead. The end of spring. The festival of Sam Hain. It's like, it's just a harvest festival, my guy. Yeah. I feel like they could have cut that whole scene. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad someone got call-outs, but I wish it was pronounced right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, 
Yeah, I only know how to pronounce uh, Sawin because I saw Trick or Treat mm-hmm. and uh, Rhonda in that movie. She pronounces it right. Love Trick or Treat, by the way. If you guys haven't seen it, you guys need to see it. We haven't seen it. We should watch it. Done. So me and my other sister, we celebrate Sawin every year. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're, they're uh, whatever you call it. It's a Celtic festival, you know, so, you know. Like a spiritual thing. Yep. But that's why I know how to pronounce it. And I know from Supernatural. You know, yeah. You knew how to pronounce it from the, yeah. I so I know, I understand how it's spelled Samhain. It does look kind of fun to say. It does. not correct. It ain't right. And then I have another note about why does Dr. Loomis carry so much water? Because <laughs> that's another scene where he's just, everybody's like, why do they care what this guy's doing so much? It's like, you got to come back. It's like, why? That seat is so funny because there's like Nurse Marion shows up and she's like, the governor has ordered you back to Smith's Grove. Like, why though? Yeah. And again, like, t- like you know, not to be overly critical, wink, wink, nudge, like nudge. I love being critical. It's been a few hours. That's exactly. It. It's only been a few hours. It's like, it's been less than a day. And it's overnight so the governor what he just made the call like from his house at like 11 p.m yeah it's like it hasn't been enough time for the governor to get involved that's how i feel about it yeah lubis is like tell him he couldn't find me and she's like there's a u.s marshal outside who's gonna bring you back it's like you're getting called to the principal's it's office so they're paying the overtime for this marshal to bring him back for reasons unknown also, we noted precedent for boring, hospitalized Laurie Strode is set in this movie. A lot of bad precedents are set in this movie. That's like, I remember last year when we were talking about Halloween Kills, I was like, Halloween Kills to me feels like Halloween 2 with a sprinkling of Halloween 4 just kind of worse. I mean, the main difference here is that the hospital in Halloween Kills has like 500 people in it, and the Halloween 2 hospital has nobody in this goddamn hospital. There ain't a soul walking these halls. And that's freaky too. And it's like it as is. people keep dropping off too. Yeah. The hospitals are more and more empty. It's like a very And then I do worry then I do worry about the babies. Yeah. Because like no one's watching the babies. And I mean I know it's still live. Michael's not gonna kill him. No, the Michael that's true. But then like but then there is that big I don't want to skip ahead, but big explosion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know these are fictional kids, but I am, I, you know, I, I can't help but worry. We also have a note about Dr. Mixter. Dr. Mixter. <laughs> they Dr. said Mixter, Mixter way Mixter. too much. All they right. Did. Enough about it. Obviously, on the, by the sixth, sixth Dr. Mixter, like, okay, this guy's dead. Stop calling his yeah, name. Yeah, But she would, no, I know, but you also, how often do you say someone, I wouldn't I don't keep, say people. I would say, like, your, bad dialogue. Yeah. Not to get compl- complaining about, but brief complaint. You can Sorry. cut this starting now. <laughs> In Halloween, I felt similarly, the original, when Jamie Lee Curtis comes into the house that Annie's babysitting in, and then she's calling out for Annie and the friends, and, like, it just goes on for way too long, and it's just bad dialogue. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, There are certain dialogues where it's like, you know, I, I mean, I've written a script or two before, so there are yeah. moments where, you know, you don't want to have an entire page go by with just, like, blank, you know, just action beats. Sometimes you throw in a line of dialogue in there just to break up the monotony of the spacing on the page, and some, and, you know, calling out people's yeah. names, I feel like, is a, a big one for that. But that scene also does kind of kick off the sort of insanity of the third act where they're looking for they're looking for Dr. Mixter, yep. you know, the drunk doctor. Dr. Mixter! And he gets turned around and he's got a syringe in his brain or something. And the nurse who can't operate a radio, she gets a syringe in the eyeball, or like in that the brain, pumping air into her brain, which is a rough yeah. way to go. That, uh, next note, his kills are getting oh, brutal. Yeah. yeah. That was a good one. That was I, a good I had one. to close my eyes. Oh, I, I hate eye trauma. Yes. But that was scary. That was gross. Um, it's also another good shot of like Michael walking out of the shadows. 
Yeah, that was cool. I liked that too. Yeah. And then Jimmy. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. That so, was so I funny. Love, I like Jimmy's arc where he's like set up kind of like a love like interest. a love interest and then he just trips in blood. <laughs> he knocks himself out, <laughs> and trips that's in blood. It for him. I mean and that's like, pretty much it for him. Like that's funny to me. I like that. But that's the thing people Halloween and like it's getting it, it has funny moments. This one, but it's like it just takes itself really seriously. It's like there's so much silly stuff. I wish they would just kind of lean, lean into, into it. it yeah, because like I like the silly and they do it, but it's like still really serious. Yeah, I, I get the impression that they're not aware that it's funny, and maybe that's just how it's coming across. But okay, well, a, a comparative scene that obviously was filmed like ten years later in Kate in uh, Martin Scorsese's version of Cape Fear, when like the housekeeper I believe is killed by Robert De Niro's character. And then the main guy comes in and he like trips in her blood. And it's like, it is like scary, but it's also funny. And the way it's filmed, they're aware it's funny. Scary, gross, and funny. And I like when you feel like you're in on it. This was just like, oh wow, this is funny, but they don't know. There's also uh, some cool stuff here, like again with Michael being a planner. Because the reason why the nurse and Jimmy are running all over the place for Dr. Mixter is because Lori has seemingly gone like catatonic with the medication she's using. So they're running around trying to find something to find her. And it seems like, as a result, like, Lori's bed is almost abandoned. And Michael uses the nurse call button, the nurse call station, to get the last nurse out of Lori's room. Mm -hmm. And then he stabs her bed, but it's all pillows. (laughs) But now Lori has gotten up and she's actually doing something in this movie for the first time. And... My first note on Lori when she finally starts doing shit, which is like 50 minutes in, an hour in. Could be an hour. Um, It reminded me a lot of Kill Bill Volume 1 when the bride is hobbling around, her legs aren't working. Like, trying to get out of the hospital. Trying to get out of the hospital. So I was like, that definitely was an inspiration. I Maybe not definitely, but probably. I, I would say it was. And like, sure. she's sort of a similar type of woman. Like, they're yeah. both these like lanky, beautiful, kind of strange looking women. Gazelle women. Gazelle women. I was like, oh my God, it, it so, clearly had like a pop culture effect for oh, sure. For sure, like I felt, I totally agree. I, I like, and I like that. I really like that. And they did a really good thing where they had a POV of Lori as she's walking through the uh, the hospital halls, and they have the POV be kind of uh, wobbly and woozy because she's clearly still to show that she's still feeling the effects of the drug she's on. And she's hobbling. Yeah. And then I like how she's like walking, but then eventually she can't really stand. Like, I yeah. she's good in it. Jamie Lee Curtis is really good in it. I she think. is really. She get, like once they use her, once she's they good. use her, she's good. <laughs> and she, her physical acting is good. And then it also, made me get the. Lori Strode thing because the first movie I don't get it I'm like why does anybody really like she's fine but like what's the big deal and also I think something that more characters should do but don't is she just hides like uh-huh. she actually hides like, like she even passes out she hides somewhere she passes out for a while and that's probably how she survives the movie she just stays out of the action when he's really getting into killing yeah and then and then she goes out to the car and then the car is not working and then who even she I mean, ducks and then she ducks yeah. and then if um Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, if, if, if concussed <laughs> jimmy didn't come and like set the car thing off is it me i mean who knows is it? jimmy josh hartnett's father <laughs> If he did, if he is, he got a heroin after. <laughs> and but she could have probably just hung out there and not been mm-hmm. caught. Like if she just if she if she curled up in that footwell, Michael probably wouldn't have found her. Actually, on that note, uh, I read about just today a Halloween sequel that never got made that would have revealed Jimmy to be Jamie Lloyd's father. Jamie Lloyd being Laurie's kid from the Halloween four, five, and six okay. trilogy. We well, in the Halloween 4, 5, 6 t- trilogy, Jamie is uh-huh. orphaned because, 
where her parents, Lori and her, her nameless father in those movies, died in a car crash. So she has to live with like step family and stuff. They couldn't get Jamie Lee Curtis. As for Josh Hartnett's character's father, we don't know. We'll get into that. There is one really good scene of suspense I want to call out here. There's a scene where we see the nurse and she's near the security guard's desk and the camera pans down to the to the security cameras and we can see a door being closed, but it cuts it pans back up to the nurse and then we hear diegetically the door closing. So we as the audience know this door that Michael just walked into is close. And then we see the nurse, we go up to back to the nurse and she walks off and then we pan back down to the cameras and she shows up on the same camera that Michael was just on. That's really good stuff. And then as she gets to the door, Jimmy jump scares her because I guess Jimmy's a jerk. Sometimes. You don't think he means to be, but yeah, he's no, like no. an idiot, which is kind of nice. He's kind of a bimbo. Like he is and like the really, female bimbo. You don't really see. Yeah, guys he's a bit like of a himbo. No, presented in a movie, and he seems to mean well. <laughs> he means well. He he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. And the chase scene was good. The chase scene was very the good. The chase scene was very From here good. here on out, we're cooking with gas. I, the whole thing is good. I agree. I was rooting for Lori more. And then at this point in the movie, Julia had this to say. Oh, I said, it's funny. I don't think this one is much worse than the original. And then I said, Chris is going to be furious. <laughs> but to be fair, we we rewatched the original. Yeah. And it is better. It's better. But my only, so my only qualm with the original now, it's like the whole suspense thing is fantastic. The, it's, I like the way it's shot is good. I like the title. You can see the mask at the beginning. Yeah, that's I like cool. all that. I like the mask shot. It's yeah. cool. My only problem with it, which overwhelmed it the first time I watched it, is that the dialogue sucks and the characters kind of suck. So it's like all the women, like not women, girls, I guess, like they're mean to each other. It's like there's, you don't root for anybody. So it's like, it's hard to care, but like everything else is excellent, but that's pretty major to me. So side. I always love because uh, Deborah Hill. She kind of credits herself for writing the uh, girls' dialogue in that movie because all oh, I know how girls speak, and it's just one of the wackier, weirder parts of the film. But I just love it so much. I just love like PJ Soul's character. Just every five minutes, just going totally. It's it's fun. And then even like they're smoking a joint, but no one's having fun. Like no one's actually smiling or having, everyone's like so awful. Like, even like, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh like, yeah. She, I like, she's likable when she's with the kids, but like, she's not really that likable either. It's like, I'm like, come on, kill these bitches already. I've had enough of listening to them talk. Well, like, it's easy to look through the past and like be critical because obviously this was a hugely fo- foundational movie for sla- like, very foundational for horror and especially for slashes in general. But yeah, for example, when they're like they're smoking the joint in the car and then it's like shit, my dad, and then that, that could be funny. Yeah, it's like that. Like the whole when you describe that scene, you would guess it's a funny scene, and it's not. Instead, it's like they're weirdly both mad it's at each other. Tense and it's like, weirdly yeah. tense, and, and then they're both like sniping at each other, and then like Lori's nicer, but no, no one's really that nice to each other. I think that's not. You, I know that came obviously years later, but that's one of the many things that I love about Scream. Sydney and Tatum are genuinely friends. They actually, like each other. They're nice to each other, and they talk about real things. No one in Halloween talks about anything real. It's all being and talking about guys. It's like, like being yeah. mean to each other and talking very blandly about guys. Not even about their like problems, or not even about like oh well he's like did this asshole thing, or this is a fight we're doing a fight. It's like nothing that real. It's all very like oh like very shallow. Uh, but uh, back on the subject of Halloween too, I think where we left off was uh, yes. Jimmy. He finds uh, Nurse Alves, who's like the the head nurse or the head of nursing or whatever whatever her title is. She seems to be in charge of a lot of people. Yep. But she's like strapped to a table with a. Uh, thing in her arm and it seems like all of her blood has been drained out that of her gross. that was gross That's and insane. that was where he sl- yeah where he slipped and fell and, and concussed himself. 
when I see that scene, I think of that scene from Scream where, you know, he trips in the blood and he's just, I just look at that blood and I'm like, why do they do that? It's too red. You know, like that one guy. Yes. And the blood did look fake. It did, though, yeah. at, at one point in particular, it looked like paint, like just straight paint. Did that might've been Lori's dreams. I can't remember. Yeah, it could have been. Like, weird dreams. At one point I was literally like, I didn't like Lori's dreams either. And it's like, who just dreams forgotten memories? Oh my God. How could we forget this scene? The weirdest thing. Yeah, While weird. Lori's having a dream and she's just like, has she has two dreams. She has one where she's just, her, she's her mom and her mom's like, I'm yeah. not your real mom. And then she also has a dream of just some random kid staring out a window somewhere. Like what? It's, it's supposed to be foreshadowing what we're about to learn, but like what? And I think, all, I honestly, critical eye here. I think all of that would have played better without the dream sequence or the catatonia <laughs> because it could have just come out through like the research and, and then or, and then not at all. or not at all obviously i would have preferred that's okay that was actually Thanks. my fundamental takeaway from halloween 2 and this goes forward into halloween h2o is that michael's preoccupation with Lori should have just been psychosexual and honestly it still kind of seems like it is it works from the jump it works from the jump and like then, even it, how like she drops yeah, like he's like, I get like he seems he, like he's uh, he's preoccupied. It's pretty random. He's like, oh, yes. and then he gets preoccupied with her. He gets preoccupied, like, and then he doesn't kill her, and then he gets it's like, and then obviously with all the heavy breathing and all the penetration of like stabbing implements, it's like it's already very it's already very sexual, and that's kind of the I think it also just makes total sense as just like a straight up targeting thing, you know? Yes. Like, I remember when I first saw Halloween 2018, I thought, and apparently I am wrong, but when Michael first sees Laurie, I really thought that there was a there was a bit of recognition in Michael's body language, and he just saw her and was like, you. Yeah. I know you, but then Halloween Kills would tell me that I am wrong, so I don't oh, know. Oh, he obviously cares about Laurie. But then Halloween Ends would tell us that he does care about Laurie, so I don't know what to think anymore. Well, I think... And I was telling Julia, I think sometimes you watch things. I think another example, though, obviously much of this is like actually well done in Star is like Star Wars, where creators seem to think if you semi-arbitrarily late in a series give a familial connection to two people, that's just gonna eradicate whatever sexual tension's going on. Luke and Leia, I'm referring to. It's like, oh, like they they obviously had an interest in each other. They kissed, blah blah. blah. Then she like moved on to Han Solo. But then it's like by the third, it's like, oh, actually we're brother and sister. And then she's like, I always knew. It's like, then why did you open mouth kiss him? Why? Why were you entertaining? It's like both of you are very much entertaining each other as romantic options. Like, don't pretend like you knew you were related. It's uh, it's actually funny that you mentioned that ex- use that exact reference, Megan, because John Carpenter has said that he was watching one of the Star Wars movies while he was writing this. So it's that that is exactly why we're getting to the oh. plot. The twists are about to get to happens when oh, it does. And it- I also just it's unnecessary it's unnecessary and I also feel like it's convoluted and if they didn't say it then they could just like keep this as canon and then, yes. then it would make Halloween 2018 H2O square make more sense and it would like, and it's just like the way I feel about it is and then it's okay sorry I'm all over the place but fundamentally how I feel about it is Michael's preoccupation with Lori just should have been psychosexual not based on any sort of familial connection I think that makes more sense it's also, also scarier it's scarier especially like these types of horror movies I feel like they like lean away from the sexual thing which i understand because it is it is scarier but it makes more sense and also when it comes to like serial killers in the real world that is often their motivation so it's kind of weird to be like oh he's like mowing through like 30 people but oh don't worry like his dick ain't twitching <laughs> like it's just like it's just, 
about the, the all the blood. I feel like it's sanitized. It is. And I think it's yeah. weird that we have these movies that are like all, and obviously right now, my big complaint now too is that things are no longer sexual or sensual, like generally. It's like, but you have these movies where like, there's tons of nudity, there's tons of sexuality, but we're just like excising that from the villains. And it just doesn't really make sense. I do get trying to keep it away from Michael specifically only because like his character is always supposed to be like the purest like embodiment of evil you know kind of thing so to be like evil has a boner doesn't it often have a boner it doesn't evil it has does. a boner a lot That's the other thing. I prefer the fact that Jason yes isn't mm. sexual because he was like a little boy and yes. then died and yeah. then this like none of that makes any sense and so i see- kind of appreciate that there's no rape element mm-hmm. but like with mm-hmm. michael it would make sense and also michael's been in not like if i'm raping people that would no. be too much but like him having a sexual thing with her would make sense like, yes. oh you and then also that yeah. make that like that makes him pursuing her more interesting and then also it makes and what, the stakes are higher the stakes are higher and it makes what's he gonna do when he actually gets to her like a lot a much scarier thought that's i think that's part of the reason why the halloween series in general is like kind of convoluted and muddled it's because they don't know what to do with michael he's the embodiment of evil but then he's also then he but, oh she's a sister no she's not a sister like they just can't make up their mind yeah i feel like if i had to sum up the difference between the friday the 13th films and the halloween films it probably is that the friday the 13th films typically have stories take place around jason whereas halloween films have stories about michael Mm -hmm. myers and i think that's a problem because i think michael works best as this pure unadulterated this pure the purest form of evil and once you try to ascribe meaning behind that evil it inevitably falls apart which is why halloween 1978 is clearly by far the best one because it's him at his only just blankest evil yeah and it should have just not obviously um armchair uh movie review right here but they should obviously should have stopped with one because that's what but they never would have but they should have stopped with one because that is it's like well yeah. that's the thing too it's yeah. like friday the 13th it's like schlocky sequel after sequel they don't make any sense no like, but they don't try to it's like they don't try to and it's fun and it's like my, i mean um halloween was like oh yeah we'll do like let's make a bunch of sequels to, like there was the pressure there but it was like it's never stopped taking itself really seriously so it's like that's boring it's me. like to me it just doesn't really work as well like friday the 13th it's not quality but it's manages to be like entertaining to me yes. like i managed to be entertained by it i think like i, I think good example of friday the 13th i think it, i don't remember who's the fourth or the fifth one it's one of Corey feldman and crispin glover that's the, the one that was supposed one, yeah. to be the one to end all ones <laughs> number four yeah, uh four. and that is so Corey feldman his sister and their mom have a house and they have stuff going on and he's obsessed with like like monsters like and then there's um crispin glover and his friends rented a, the house right next door and like they're having youthful sexual frivolity and then crispin glover's got like a conflict with his friend about a, and then there's these twins and it really is just like oh like these like college kids getting into silly like frivolity and then there's um cory feldman being really intense about things and then his sister so it is just like oh like there's all this stuff going on and then jason is there and that like obviously very much shapes the story but in those that story that's a one example of friday the 13th where i'm like oh i can just believe that the story is going on without jason where it's generally 
when you take when you take Michael out of any of these stories, there's no story. I do get the inclination to want to add context and add story around your slasher, around your sort of your main character. But certain characters benefit from added context, and some don't. Yes. Like I think Nightmare Three is a really great example of added context adding to the overall vibe of the character because like in nightmare three there's that scene where he pulls his sweater back and he says like the souls of the children give me strength and you see all the little faces on his chest and you're like oh he's not just killing these people he's stealing their souls and that makes him more powerful that's added context to his character that is cool it's it it helps enhance his character and is also really Mm -hmm. scary Whereas other characters, some like the strangers, benefit from less context. And I mean, I don't really like the strangers that much for that reason. But. And then, like, they're giving you more context, but it's just like, huh? And then they just disregard it later. So it's like, it's very, it, indes- it's kind of funny, but like, it's again, indecisive. It's indecisive. And to me, it's like, if we're just going to be funny about it and like not take it seriously, that's fine. But the tone is pretty serious. Well, that's, I think, another reason why I prefer Friday the 13th series is because, yeah, it's like, and for example, the, oh, Mrs. Voorhees and the killer in, in the first one is mm-hmm. like, how are we going to get us, how are are we gonna continue the series it's like we're not gonna explain it whatever there jason was that a works boy. With, that works with my thought process no, exactly. it's like, now it's like, like, forget but, it let's not talk about but it no, exactly. <laughs> and then I think they even have Ginny be like try to like pause it some type of theory and it's like whatever it is what it is moving on and then it isn't until the third one that he even gets his signature hockey mask that's just a movie that's a series that rolls with the punches and i respect that like halloween just takes itself too too, too seriously but other than the first one and generally it's not, not high enough quality and yeah and it's not that interesting of a backstory either it's like oh some guy that killed his sister yeah it benefits from uh the mystery though of like why this five-year-old kid just suddenly snapped and stabbed his yeah. sister that gets you through the first movie a hundred percent like but not the subsequent the subsequent like you know and you know you're right the, floundering a little bit and i think part of that probably is also uh, either the benefit or the opposite of when we were born in the 70s that might have been enough but in terms of the True. violence that we've seen from like our, as far long back as we can remember but back then i think that it was probably different or same with oh like the six-year-old murdered his naked sister <laughs> like they're all so fun and then it's like oh he's the epitome of evil and then again like to me i'm like oh like i feel like a lot worse things have happened that sucks that's a tragedy but that's not even the worst thing that's happened this week so not, not to be a downer but there i go <laughs> Speaking of that uh, unintentional comedy aspect you guys were talking about, uh, back on the plot point we left off with for Halloween 2 was um, the blonde nurse, after checking the wing, I guess she goes out to her car and she sees all the cars have been sabotaged uh, by Michael. And then she goes back in the hospital. She sees Lori and she's like, oh, Lori. Uh, And Lori looks around, like, turns around and doesn't acknowledge her really. But then Michael Mm -hmm. appears and stabs her. Yeah, yeah with a little little scalpel and like her her shoes, her like nurse clogs just like plop off onto the ground. That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. that's funny. That's a good kill. But it was like hilarious of the scalpel. I'm like, oh my god. And I was reading the TV tropes on it after, and like that's like one of those. Th- it's like another thing that wasn't intended to be funny. People are like, oh, this was like unintentionally funny. And I'm like, see, lean in. It's funny. Why can't we just let it be funny? And then after that, though, we get the Michael Laurie Chasey, which I love. I think it's so good. I love that. Was actually a really good chase scene. That made that love that chase scene. Yeah. And then she's so tenacious. Yeah, and this is where like that slow moving Michael we were talking about earlier this word actually really really works where she's limping along because of her injuries and he's just walking so slowly yeah, after her. her limp gets worse and worse mm. which, which makes, makes sense. sense 
And then her, like, I, I respect her tenacity. And Lori, she has to, like, wait in the elevator. And uh, as Michael's slowly, slowly approaching. And I guess elevators back in the 70s would just say, like, screw you. Because even though he puts his hand in the elevator to stop it, it still just closes without him. But it works, it works for Lori, so good for her. Yeah, that, we have bitch-ass elevators these days. If, any, if they, right if up, they yeah. feel a gust of wind, they'll open up. We would be so dead. And then Lori goes out to the, after she gets out, she goes out to the parking lot. And apparently she just happens to pick Jimmy's car to sit in, which is, you know, good for her, I guess. Then we go back to Loomis in the car with the, the Marshall. And this is one of my favorite Loomis scenes because it's just so weird and out there. Like, what are you talking about anymore, Loomis? He's just riffing. He's talking about Druid priests and Sam Hain. And he's like, you know, they b- burned people in fire rituals. They believed that witnessing how they died, they could predict omens of the future. 2,000 years and we've come no further. Like, what are you talking about, man? He's Honestly, Julia said it best. He's in a different movie. He's in a different genre. Like, he exists in his own genre and no one else is there with him. He's essentially, I feel like, not just having monologues, but soliloquies. Like, things that are like, oh, this should just be in his head. There's no reason to be saying this to other people. This is why Halloween Kills failed so hard, because they tried to ha- uh, hand the monologue torch to Laurie Strode and have her do all the Loomis rants. And Jamie Lee Curtis is great. But she doesn't even but, yeah, but Donald Pleasance is on another level of monologues. You can't touch this man. And to be fair, like, to me, Loomis doesn't even work. Until he does. Until he does. Like, it's like okay, eventually Loomis, I'm like, okay, I'm on board. But, like, like, in his last... It's so off-putting that it's yeah. not, like... Yeah, I would say, like, for me, we'll get there shortly, but, like, he works for me in, like, the last 15 minutes of the movie, and then in hindsight, I'm like, okay, like, this is all about... Up until that point, I have, like, so many notes here that's like, Loomis ain't shit, Loomis is a bitch-ass, Loomis got a stupid run, like, like, Loomis can't pronounce anything, like, it's, like, a lot of negativity, and then for... This is another overarching critique of Halloween 2. The movie is at its best when Loomis and Lori are together and they arbitrarily keep them apart for 90% of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then when they're together, I like them both. My appreciation for both of them is pretty much at its height. Because this is the scene where Marion drops the bombshell where she's like, there's a file on Michael that no one ever saw, including you. That Strode girl is Michael's sister. And Loomis is like, what? Like... <laughs> <laughs> and i love that he just he pulls out the gun yeah and he's just like what do you fellas do uh fire warning shot right and pops out the pot the front window loomis be crazy <laughs> he is he's crazy that's another i mean which is something loomis in hindsight works but if the movie would just let itself be silly he would have worked the whole time yeah <laughs> so we're back with Lori, who's in the uh in jimmy's car and jimmy who walks out and is supremely concussed at this scene he just kind of walks in and he's like oh hey everything everything's gonna be all right and he just passes out on the car horn making it go off like hey michael here's laurie and that I was fe- really funny <laughs> i felt like and i didn't think of it because i didn't remember it but when we rewatched halloween yesterday it like i felt like that was also an homage to when um annie is killed and leaves the This is the last we see of Jimmy in this film, but according to the made-for-TV version, which has a few extra scenes in, we do see that Jimmy survives. So he's in the hospital. He's in the ambulance at the end of the movie. I assume so. He just slipped in a puddle of blood. If he died from that, that would be so embarrassing. Imagine like all the people who have injuries. Like this woman tits out, boiled like a lobster, <laughs> also stabbed, also drowned, and then Jimmy slipped in some blood and died. <laughs> I mean, if you like 
fall and hit the back of your skull in the right pot, spot, it could kill you instantly. Oh, yeah. I'm, and I'm not doubting that in real life, but movie logic. It'd be pretty bitch-ass. It would just be bitch-ass for a movie. And I know like things like that happen in real life. But I, this one note is, Jimmy is the luckiest idiot in the world. <laughs> and then he just passed out in the car and then with his face on the car horn. And I'm like, oh, he's going to get killed. And then he doesn't even. Yeah, Jimmy's super lucky. I don't even think he ever, he, I don't think he ever sees Michael Myers. I don't even think he's ever actually even in the same room as Michael. Oh, know about michael he just like yeah like there's that one scene where like he's in the hallway and mike's in the room but like he's never even like directly near michael myers at any point he really is the luckiest idiot who ever lived so loomis marion and the marshal make it to the hospital but laurie's focal cords only work when they're out of hearing range typical laurie then uh michael chases laurie back into the hospital and this is when you know we get the big final thing where you know he walks through the glass it's really awesome and then, and then it's like oh everything's clicking at the end of the movie yeah and michael going through the glass, so. <gasps> him going through the glass was really cool and then if this was canon for halloween ends i would forgive laurie for a lot like, in terms of, like, oh, if not only that night, but then he also followed you to the hospital, he goes through glass, he kills all these people, then it'd be, oh my gosh, it makes perfect sense that you've, like, that this is, like, a huge point of terror and anxiety for you. Like, that makes perfect sense. But then the fact that um, Halloween 2018 excises Halloween 2 and just makes it the first night, it's still just dumb. I agree. I think, like, for future sequels, Halloween 2 is pretty essential. Like, it needs to be a continuation of this one, I, I think. I agree. It just it makes it everything... And I think... It, it makes everything feel more natural, I feel like, the the progression yeah. of Laurie's story and Michael's story. Even if you wanted to be like, oh, that file that they said their brother or sister, it was a misprint or something. I don't know. They could have dropped the weird relation thing, yeah. I, I totally agree. And uh, I love that Michael's acting after Loomis shot him five times this time, I counted, is enough to convince the marshal he's dead and then he pops up and grabs the marshal. And I like that both Loomis and Laurie are not fools. They're like, don't, don't do that. Don't do it. We've been fooled before. Lori was fooled like twice. And like that. And then she kept turning her back. I'm like, come on, don't turn your back on it. But now she's learned in Halloween too. And Loomis, he, I don't know why he thinks it's a good idea to give Lori a gun in this scene. Because she's like the OG weapon dropper. <laughs> but uh, he gives it to her. And, you know, apparently though, he gave her the gun with all the bullets in it. Because he doesn't have any bullets for when Michael shows up and he gets stabbed by a scalpel. With a bitch-ass implement. And now we've reached thing number three, I think of. When I think of Halloween 2, thing number three is one of the coolest shots in this movie, which is when Laurie takes the gun and she shoots pap-pap right in Michael's eyes and he has that shot with the blood streams going down the two eye holes of the mask. Love it. I have a note on that, yes. It's It's so cool. cool. I like that a lot. But then that note is followed by... A silly amount of swinging. <laughs> I really like the um, him just blindly swiping, trying to get to Loomis and Lori, but he can't see. It's like it's he's so full of rage, he needs to kill them even though he can't see them. It is. I just think they should have cut it in half. It just went on too long. It just went on too long. There was yeah. just too much silly swinging. And then Loomis and Lori, they both turn on these uh, these gas tanks to sort of disorient Michael so he doesn't know where they are. So he's just swinging blindly and he can't rely on his hearing anymore. And then also, I think it's an oxygen tank, so then mm, that yeah. way he can blow him up. Yeah. And then Lori gets to run away, and Loomis is like, it's time, Michael. And he uses the lighter he stole from the cop in the earlier scene uh, to ignite the oxygen cool. and blow up himself and Michael. Very cool. And this is where my note Very is, cool. Loomis redeemed as a pretty cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> and the explosion seemingly killing Loomis. 
I was gonna say because I know he like Loomis comes. But how does Loomis come back after this? Uh, they put a minor burn under his left eye and call it a day. <laughs> he was incinerated. <laughs> was Ben Trainerd, if you may? A minor. Yeah, they just put a burn under his eye and say, "Yep." Well, Loomis survived. And I do think it's important to note that in Halloween 4, when he shows up, Michael has been in a coma for 10 years. So is Loomis stronger than Michael? Is that what we're saying with these movies? More immortal than Michael. (laughs) It's just, I think it's, I think the hubris of the 80s is like nothing else. Because I feel like that happens in multiple horror movies. where like It happens, obviously, in Friday the 13th. Obviously, in Halloween. And obviously in um nightmare on elm street where some jamoke has the audacity to say we're really killing the slasher villain this time and we're gonna kill him in a way that he can't come back from and then like a year later someone tepidly has to revive him (laughs) why even make it so extreme or it's also kind of like how uh with halloween ends we complained about that one woman who survived she was like stabbed in the throat with a fluorescent light tube but like at least She wasn't involved in a giant hospital-sized oxygen explosion, you know? But Loomis is like, nah, I'm the star of the next three of these movies, baby. And it was like a cool thing for Loomis to, like, you know, sacrifice himself. You know, it's like, he's fallen on his sword. It works in a lot of ways, but he's a dramatic man. Yeah. And then as Laurie is running away, we see a really awesome shot of Michael walking out of the fiery explosion, covered in flames, still trying to chase after her. Super cool stuff. But then he collapses and is dead, and that's that's it. No take backs. He's done, dusted. Michael's gone forever. Halloween 2 is the end of Halloween franchise. Never made another one. They knew how to quit when they were already slightly behind. (laughs) And then we get, we go, uh, we follow Lori and she's being loaded into an ambulance going to another hospital, hopefully one with more than four people on bo- on staff at any given time. And we get a nice little spot of Mr. Sandman and again. And my final note on that movie is they were really trying to capitalize on the no, I am your father, aren't yes, they? <laughs> very much so. John Carpenter was literally watching like Return of the Jedi while he was writing this. It shows. It does. It does, Yeah. It's like I was saying with uh, John Carpenter, how he says he hated it after that. He hated writing it. He, he literally said that he was just up at like two in the morning with his typewriter and a six pack of beer, just trying to figure out how to make this thing. Which granted, if this is his fuck it drunk 2 a.m. movie, it's still a pretty good movie for that. I mean, he's man's good. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. And, yeah. I, and I assume the, cl- the studio was clamoring for it. He had to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't blame him at all. 33% low, but 6.5 seems right. Yeah, I would say 6.5 seems right maybe to me. Maybe 7 even, maybe. Like, more than, like, like, an hour in, I was like, okay, I'll g- I'd give this a 6 out of 10. And then I think a 6.5, close to, like, 6.5 to 7 is fair for me. Like I said, I think for me, this is, this one's nowhere near the original, but I do really like, especially around Halloween time, putting this one on right after the original Halloween, almost like it's like an extended cut of the original Halloween. I think this one's just the, it's the epitome of the, it's fun slasher. Like, it's not too... It's not great, but it's fun. It, just, it makes it all worth it. Yeah. It is a fun and it, it takes a lot. Like, I, once we get going, it, it's good. It's a good slasher. Oh, like, yeah. Once he gets, once he starts really slashing, mm-hmm. it's good. And then I feel like he's trying to outdo himself with, like, you know, I, I like the kills. The kills are wild. It's Kill- fun times in the hospital. Yep. It was good. And Lori, like and, like, Lori works her ass off to survive, which is, I always respect in a final girl. Me too. Yeah, Lori does a lot more and really earns that final girl mantle in this movie, I think. In the first one, I was happy. 
Yeah, in the first one, I was really irked by her constantly turning her back on him. And it's like, I get the first time thinking he's dead. But even then, you only stabbed him, you stabbed him with a needle. Like, so so I wouldn't necessarily think he was dead from that. That actually reminds me, there's a moment, I believe, in the H2O commentary that Jamie Lee Curtis is on, which we will get to in due time. A little teaser for you guys. Um, But there's a moment where Jamie Lee Curtis is on the commentary, and she sees Lori drop a weapon or whatever, and she's like, oh, bitch, don't, uh, don't drop the knife. Oh, I could just slap it right now. So it's like, even <laughs> she has that moment. Because like I said, Lori's never picked up a knife she didn't drop immediately. That is uh, irksome. Yeah, it is. But I've, I've got my Halloween H2O notes queued and ready to well, go. I'm excited. Hey, professional horror podcast people. This is Chris Donovan from the future. Because uh, we didn't do an outro because we did these two episodes back to back. I'm sorry if there was some audio issues. I had a time and a half editing this episode. I had to re-record some of my own lines as well. It was a whole thing. It was a whole disaster. But I think the episode came out was a lot of fun. Megan and Julia, whenever they're on the show, always a great time. Hopefully they'll be on many more times. Eventually we're going to cover like Scream, Friday the 13th, stuff like that. But before that, in a week or two, we're going to be I'm going to be releasing my episode on Halloween H2O with Megan and Julia. And that'll be a lot of fun. Hope you guys tune into that. It might, it'll probably be after Halloween, but this is what happens when you have audio problems. Things don't get out on time, unfortunately. But um, aside from all that stuff, let's do the quick little admin stuff. You know how it is. Please subscribe and rate to the Professional Horror Podcast at every place you get podcasts at, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Google, The Works. You know where you get your podcast. You're listening to this one. You must have found a spot you like, you know. So do the things with this podcast for us. You can also follow me on Instagram at Professional Horror. You can also email me if you have movie suggestions or guest suggestions at professionalhorror at gmail.com. It's been a while since so I had an episode, but we got an exciting slate of episodes coming next couple of months, and I hope you stick around to see all of them. But until next time, until that time, stay scary, but keep it professional.